0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show that is so bad it actually makes Kevin Godby want to be sober for a day. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Oh welcome 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 to the pipes magazine radio show yes the sometimes irreverent sometimes educational but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast and i'm your host brian levine reminding you you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this show so if you're not go ahead hang up i'll wait click okay good Uh, on this week's show in pipe parts we have a uh, ask the blender with uh, jeremy reeves and then my guest is a pipe maker who i <laughs> i gotta be honest with you and you'll hear me talk about it uh i recorded with him i don't know what happened to the interview and that was three years ago but it's robert Amundsen, pipe maker that lives up in alaska now and uh this time it's finally going out to the public i promise absolutely so you get to hear from the Uh, Music, Mailbag, and Rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. And uh, remember, pipe show season is upon us. Pipe show season is upon us. And coming up August 19th, the NASPC in Columbus, Ohio, I will be there for sure. So stop by, come see me. Uh, Make sure that you get there Friday. Cause that show opens Friday at 5 PM. And remember last year I scored some killer deals on tobacco and that was on Thursday night. So get there, uh, Kansas city, the greater Kansas city pipe and tobacco show September 17th in Kansas city, more information on their website, uh, core show conclave of Richmond pipe smokers, Richmond, Virginia, September 23rd and 24th. That's in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and uh, the Capital Land. This is new Capital Land Pipe Show in uh, Albany, New York. Uh, Check out the website for details. Go to PipesMagazine.com and you'll see all these listed out there. Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Yeah, we know about that one. I've been talking it to death, but. That's October 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and I hear rumors that there is a pipe show coming to the great state of Texas, and it looks like it will be Saturday, November 12th, and that's going to be in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, so again, lots of pipe shows to get to. Can't miss them. Pipe shows are great. All right, let's get the show rolling, so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And for Pipe Parts, joining us is the head blender, <laughs> head stylist, head guru of Cornell and Deal, Jeremy Reeves. Jeremy, welcome back.
2: Thank you so much,
0: Brian. So this is, a, th- this is a rare one and an honor because Casey Ghost, better known as Dan, who is one of the most loyal posters of comments of the show writes in on the forums. It was asked whether Bayou Morning is the same as the tumbled out Bayou Morning, is the same tumbled out as Bayou Morning Flake. So let's go to the expert. Is Bayou Morning Flake the same blend as Bayou Morning, just ones rubbed out? So we make
2: we make Bayou Morning... And bayou morning flake with the exact same tobaccos but where uh where bayou morning is ribbon cut tobacco uh we make we make enough bayou morning to go into whatever quantity of two ounce that we need whatever quantity of eight ounce we need and whatever quantity of bulk that we need at any given time, all at the same time. So there is no difference between Bayou Morning ribbon in two ounce, eight ounce in bulk. And there is no difference in terms of the tobaccos that are used when we make Bayou Morning flake. But in order to make the flake, we can't use ribbon cut tobaccos. So Uh we're using the exact same grade of Red Virginia. We're using the exact same stoved grade of Virginia. We're using the exact same bright grade of Virginia and we're using the exact same proportions of those things. And we're also using the same perique. We're just using larger pieces of leaf in order to press it into a cake. And then after it's time in the press, slice that cake into bars and then slice those bars into flake.
0: Why can't we use the ribbon cut in the flake? Is it a waste of money uh, at that point because the ribbon is more expensive, or what's the deal? The
2: ri- the ribbon won't press uh, into into a it it would press into a into a crumble cake. Okay, uh, so we don't use ribbon cut tobaccos to make flake unless we have also used some sort of binder to help those things hold together. So, think of the cut that uh, that Esoterica used. Um, for Kingfisher mm-hmm. and and for uh, Penzance, yep. where it's kind of a, a crumble cake that has been thin cut but not as thin and typically as a flake. We have a blend called Sunset Harbor Flake that is is processed that same way. It's a crumble flake, um, but <laughs> we use a we use an added binder um, to help help that flake hold together better because it's it's not large pieces of leaf that have been pressed into a flake. Uh, So we make Bayou Morning Flake using, using large pieces of the same tobaccos that are ribbon cut to make regular Bayou Morning.
0: And then, of course, the taste difference occurs because of the different processings to, that's exactly the, right. to the different styles, the
2: uh, any 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 blend that you put together in, you know, you, you use the exact same tobaccos, but uh, in one you're using ribbon cut versions of those tobaccos, and you blend them together and uh, add add a little bit of moisture, um, and that's the finished blend. Or you use leaf versions of those tobaccos blend them together and press them for a period of time and then slice them and and cut it into flake the pressing is going to make such a big impact on the way that the the way that the blend tastes after after the pressing process that we use to make a flake or to make a crumble cake smoking that tobacco side by side with the loose ribbon mixture the the difference is astounding how much that one step makes
0: but isn't it also fair to say that maybe the aging of a ribbon will age faster because there's more oxygen exposed around the different parts and of the tobacco versus the flake which is a solid core thing that only is getting oxygen on the outer levels
2: that is true but uh, i actually i actually think that because um flake has started its process with very little oxygen uh, oxygen touching the majority of the volume of the tobacco you actually have anaerobic fermentation that is beginning in the core of that block
0: okay so you're so you're stewing it in the middle Yep. So um, you're
2: still. So you're still. You've got this different style of fermentation that that is happening at the beginning of this of this process, and then you're introducing oxygen um, when you cut it. Uh, it it I I am not a scientist. I'm sure there are scientists in the crowd who are uh, critiquing <laughs> my every word right now, and that's that's totally fair because that's not my my jam. All I know is that i can i can tell you from experience consistently the flake version of something using the exact same components as a ribbon version of something tastes totally different
0: if there's any scientists that are listening and over the years they've gotten they've gotten very patient with my complete butchering of the sciences down to well i think it <laughs> smells betterly you know <laughs> uh, But and then so the so the real thing the the real thing that would be interesting to do is to is to buy a tin of Bayou Morning and a tin of Bayou Morning Flake at the same time age them for the same amount of time and then smoke them side by side and then you get the then you get to tweak and vary the Flake with how you rub it out or how you pack it even further to see which one you like better and to see the difference.
2: Yeah, that's a great idea.
0: And and then Jeremy's got to make more of it cuz he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> Uh from a production standpoint, uh time-wise, I would imagine the flake has a little more time because you've got to press it and cut it. But then mm-hmm. also the ribbons got a little more time because you've got you've got to use those tobaccos that you know, you got to use the specific uh the rubbed out, you have to use the ribbon and then you have to yeah mixed blending with ribbon is not always easy cuz you want to get the right mixture too
2: that's right i i mean blending whether you're whether you're using leaf or whether you're using ribbon cut uh it's it's the same it's the same basic process and it it has the same basic challenges of trying to get a consistent mix
0: uh, so yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like a uh, it's like a chicken soup, and you want to make sure that there's chicken in every spoonful, and not just all sitting at the bottom, and then the first part's all soup. That's right. See, I made it scientifically simple because everybody understands chicken <laughs> soup. Uh, so, Dan, I hope that answered your question, and uh, Jeremy, thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Brian, and thank you, Dan, for the question.
0: And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio.
1: Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark.
0: They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us is a pipe maker who has a very rare distinction that I've, well, I've screwed up. Uh, But, well, I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But uh, a pipe maker, and I believe you might be the northernmost pipe maker in the world because uh, Robert Amundsen from Alaska, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hello, Brian. It's nice to be here. All right. So first of all, I'm just going to out myself because you and I recorded an interview about three years ago, and I have no idea what happened to it. It never went out. So, you know, like I've said before on the show i am not I am not perfect, and if my wife is listening to this, she's agreeing with it a hundred and twelve percent um but uh thanks for doing this again, and I apologize it got lost before but um all right so let let's get to know you where did you grow up and uh what did you want to be when you grew up?
3: I grew up in the midwest um And I would say where I grew up, most people, you know, you grew up and you wanted to be some type of construction worker. And I'd say at the age of probably 10, that's kind of what I had envisioned. And so I was big into carpentry and stuff like that. And then later um, became an engineer. I ran equipment and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the direction, like everybody kind of took from where I came from and it wasn't until much later that, that, uh, I got interested in pipes.
0: Yeah. All right. So how did, um, how did pipe smoking come into your life?
3: Well, I do remember my, my dad had, had a set of pipes. I think it was three and he had, he had smoked those I'd say probably in the 70s before us kids came along and I remember one in particular it was a falcon and it was the it had a real real unique bowl to it blasted but that that was always a pipe that intrigued me and of course you know being kids we were you know tempted to try <laughs> in which we did and uh choked quite quite nicely on trying to smoke it. <laughs> but then I don't think I touched the pipe until I was out of high school. And, um, and then it be, just became like this once a year thing. And it was usually during, during like October during, uh, duck season. And it was just kind of something to pass the time when you're just sitting there waiting for birds. But, uh, I would say in 20, 2014, is when I really got immersed in pipe smoking.
0: What? Any idea what kind of triggered you to to dive right in? What inspired you? <laughs> Do you wish you could go back and change that?
3: <laughs> well, the <clears throat> the dive into pipe smoking, I don't think that really changed. But the dive into becoming a carver, um, that was a, a definitive moment. Uh we were actually living in Washington and there's a small town there, it's uh oh no, Pullsbo. And we were in a shop there, and there had been it was a nice little uh nautical pipe shop. And we went in there and I, I found I believe it was a Savinelli three oh two was the shape, kind of like that author shape.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I bought the pipe, and while we were standing there, there was a block of wood there. And I'm like, "So what's the deal with that?" And the guy's like, "Well, that's briar. That's what these pipes are made of." And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "How much did I just spend on this pipe? This block of wood's like 25 bucks. It's it's only virtually two holes in a stem. I can I can I know I can do this." <laughs> so I bought it, and that was the point of no return. If you ask my wife, she's like, "After that." you might as well said we just jumped both feet in.
0: <laughs> so, so that was the point of divorce. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, she's pretty understanding. Yeah. So, all right. Well, before we get into pipe making and all that stuff, let's talk about where you live. Cause you live just shy of the Arctic circle in Alaska. In fact, There's a town called North Pole that's actually south of you, right?
3: Correct. About uh, about six miles
0: south. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alaskans have such a sense of humor. Uh, (laughs) So what took you up to, I mean, you're, you're in the Fairbanks area, which makes you the most northern pipe maker that I know of in the world. But what took you up there?
3: uh my wife my wife's uh job had brought us up here and in it is actually some place that i had always wanted to uh to visit i didn't know if i ever wanted to stay here um but now now that we're here uh we're trying to stay here as long as 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 we can um but you know you don't it sounds funny to say this but the weather's really nice um <laughs> even though we do get the, you know, almost, what is it, 22 and a half hours of darkness and 22 and a half hours of light at some point in time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it does hit, I think this winter we got down negative 45, uh, nearing negative 50 uh, for about, well, about four weeks. It wasn't terrible, but, you know. I'm I'm not saying that it's fun either.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. Negative 45, negative 50 Fahrenheit. Yeah. No. So there's a lot of indoor time during the winter.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Which is good for a pipe (laughs) make. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How does that work out as a, uh, as a, uh, as a parent of uh, two kids though?
3: Oh, it's a four kids.
0: Four. Four. Well, we know. Um, All right. So more have come along. (laughs) <laughs>
3: yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, it, it works out pretty well. Um, with me being, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Like a shop person. I spend a lot of time in the shops with so so my kids. They, uh, you know, they build birdhouses and stuff when it's minus 40 and they send them home to grandpa where it's only like uh 50 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so because we have no birds, you know. I mean,
0: no, <laughs> there
3: are no birds that are living in birdhouses up here right now.
0: There, there is nothing living in minus forty or fifty. <laughs> <laughs> um, during the wintertime, I would imagine there's not a bad, not much of a problem with uh, cockroaches, ants, and spiders either.
3: No, no, not really. We don't have uh, we don't have a whole much for a populace of bugs but we sure do have plenty of mosquitoes come spring <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I've, <laughs> I've heard i've heard stories of alaska and uh a, a, you know april may and june you just you you got to go out with a face shield on to get through some of those swaths of mosquitoes oh yeah most definitely <laughs> yeah so all right back to pipe making for now um uh, <laughs> So did you, when you started making a pipe, did you do the usual, you know, go on YouTube and then start asking friends and stuff? And
3: No. <clears throat> when I, I'm not much of a tech guy. I'm, I am terrible with internet, computers. I'm more hammers and nails and, you know, mechanical things. So when I started, um, there, was a, there was a guy at the pipe shop and he had, he had, uh, said, well, look up, you know, this person and this person. I don't I look up. I don't know how to do that. Okay. So, um, basically I was borrowing pipes from other people and then take them home and I'd sketch them. And once I'd have them sketched out, I'd pull some schematics from them. Then I would try to replicate that shape. Um, but then it didn't take me long and I found, uh, the Seattle Pipe Club, wow! And once I, once I joined the Seattle Pipe Club, I mean that was like a whole other world that it opened. To. It was, it was really, it was a very humbling experience. I mean, like people talk about the pipe community being friendly and stuff like that. And we all kind of have a shared camaraderie, which now I can see that. But as a new person going into that. It's like I just never met a group of people that were just, you know, so accepting, so willing to just be like, oh, here, take this pipe home and study it. Yeah. Like, are you you kidding me? No, no, take it home. So that that really blew me away. And then I had met one real prominent member um, of Seattle Pipe Club that basically changed everything for me. Um, And it was Joe Langford. Oh, yeah. And and so I, I I had known Joe for, I don't know, maybe a year or so. And Joe's like, you know, Robert, why don't you come on over to the house? He goes, take a look at, at some of my fights. I'm like, oh, well, okay. You know, so I went over there and, you know, I, I walked into Joe's house and Joe's got, you know, it's, I don't know how to explain it, like, like a little shoe box, like a little plastic bin. And he's like, Go ahead, just just look through there, see if there's anything you like. And the first pipe I pulled out, it was a uh, it was a uh, bang uh, rust I think it was a rusticated pot. And I rolled it over, you know. Of course I didn't know it said bang on it. I rolled it over. Like, Whoa, like Joe, you know, I set it on the table. I didn't even want. It touch it, you know, because I heard the, ner- <laughs> the, the name S-Bang being thrown around. You know, this is a very, you know, high-dollar pipe. I didn't even want to touch it. I'm like, Joe, Yo, you know, you want me to wear gloves or something? You know, he's just laughing. But he exposed to me, I mean, all the Danish uh, pipes, you know. So, I mean, I early on I was able to hold, you know, like S-Bangs, um, Conovitz, uh Nana's were. So yeah. that really set that really set the tone for me for going forward, and I mean Joe was, I mean he's absolutely huge in in my being able to learn early on.
0: <clears throat> We're gonna take a break right here, when we come back, we'll be uh, we'll talk more with Robert. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
5: Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through smokingpipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of smoking pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888 366 345 That's eight eight eight
0: three six six zero three four five we are back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with alaskan pipe maker robert Amundsen, who's not originally from alaska but since you moved up there you're now the alaskan pipe maker uh it's (laughs) so yeah so being able to hang out with joe for a while you know because you lived down in seattle for a while right yeah, correct. Yeah. So what, what do you think, it, what were you seeing in those pipes that, that you hadn't seen before? What were you feeling? Uh, I always love how somebody who has woodworking knowledge, when they start looking at other woodworking, I like to, I like to watch them and try to figure out, all right, what are they doing? You know, what are they looking at? Um, uh, what well, was it for you? <clears throat> for me? I think it
3: was like, so one of the first pipes that really just, you know, there were two pipes that really drew me in. One was by Yes, and it was just, uh, it was just a straight billiard. And I can remember I pulled the I pulled some schematics off of that pipe, you know, and I that was one pipe that I, I was like, all right, I want to go home and I want to try to replicate this, and. Joe had called me, you know, a couple of days later. And he's like, "How's it going?" I'm like, "I don't I don't I'm totally questioning all of my existence right now, Joe." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "I don't know how something that looks so simple can be so difficult to make. And he just laughed. "But that's that's what I found so intriguing is that I I really like um how You know, the Danish school has taken what I would say looks more rigid, like English pipes to me look a little bit more rigid, more Mm -hmm. uh, squared off than what the Danes do. Their lines seem to just flow seems like an odd word to use with something that's wood, but it just flows really nice. But those subtleties make it look so simple, and yet... When it comes down to trying to make it, it is so difficult. So the simplicity, I think, is what what drew me to that, kind of like something that's stylized. You know, Um, like if you do a, if there's a stylized wood carving, you know, there's not a whole lot of per se detail, you know, like let's say it's a bird. It might not have a lot of feathers on it carved in, but it's all smooth. And everything kind of flows together, which is neat because it's like, there's no room for air. And it's the same way with like a table, um, a perfectly smooth table looks real sleek because there's no room for air. You can't leave a scratch or a dent or anything like that. And then also the way that, you know, the pipe was set up to have like just perfect grain structure. Um, you know, I grew up with walnut and maple and cherry and stuff like that. So I didn't really, I mean, you always wanted grain to run a certain way, but it's like you didn't, there wasn't always like a lot of control. And then I, I come over to the pipe world and it's like, you know, you look at people's ability to set a pipe in a block to make it come out vertical as opposed to, you know, having the grain run in, backwards or forwards or left or right. And that just flew me away.
6: Yeah.
3: And the other pipe was by Nana and it was a, it was a bullfish and it, that, that pipe was blasted. But looking at it from one side, it looks perfectly symmetrical. And then you'd look at it from a different side and you're like, man, it looks like it's off to one side. And then, you know, through talking with Joe and later, um, talking with Nana, you know, it was, it was a play with your eye. It was how two things would meet up, how different lines would come together. That would give you the perception that, that it kind of moved to one side when actually it didn't. And, and that's what, that's what really drew me to it because of subtle subtleties like that, that made such a huge difference. And that,
0: that's something that you can't, you you can you can kind of teach it but in order to really get it it's almost a skill that you have to have somewhere deep down inside even just the just the ability to really understand and see it is a skill and then to try to translate it and actually do it is the is the next level up right
3: yeah yeah most definitely most of them and you know um I'd say, I think it was in 2015, maybe. Um, I had met Jeff uh, Grayson. Yeah, uh, he had actually came up to Seattle Pipe Club and had spoke. That's when I first had met Jeff. And but later, through talking with Jeff, uh, Jeff had made a comment one time. It was uh, something about, you know, like sometimes you you would make you're making a pipe. And it's like you know there's something wrong, but then it's not. I mean, how do I put it? You know there's something wrong, but the next thing is to learn. Well, now how do I fix that? Right. Like, you know what? What's the next step in how to fix it? And so I would say that was probably my next step. Like I knew there was something wrong with my work early on, and it's like well now I had to learn. Well, how do I? correct what i'm doing um so so that you know that was that was all you know a learning curve also but i like that i i I strive off of the why or the how i guess so that's what drives me as a
0: and and when you're you know this is something that yeah, you know, I I wanted to insert the joke about how since you're in Alaska and it's you know sometimes minus forty or minus fifty, your pipes must smoke cooler. Um <laughs> but you've got to coordinate all this design and it's yeah, you know, for me it's easy I it's easy to critique it, but you're right. What you just said is yeah, it's easy to critique it. It's really hard to actually figure out how to fix it, because uh, it, you know, it just. I know when it looks wrong, but what do you do to make it right? <laughs> Good luck. You know, call somebody else. Yeah. Don't ask me. <laughs> uh,
6: yeah,
3: and I mean, and I've had, I've made those phone calls. You know, I mean, I I know I've uh, I've messaged Jeff, and I'm like, I'm. I, can I send you a picture? Can you kind of give me an idea of what I'm screwing up here? You know, and usually it comes back. You know, we'll try this, and I tried. I'm like, why didn't I think of this? This was this was so simple. But you, I don't know. I've I've uh, I've talked to Nana before. Message Nana, and she. One of her big things is she's like, just give it a break. You know, like. And I've heard other people say that, you know, you look at a shape for so long, your eyes just kind of get, I don't know, like uh, to just get used to looking at that shape. So if you just set it down for a couple hours and you come back to it, I've noticed that when I put a pipe down and then I come back, let's say, an hour later, I'll look at it and be like, that is ugly. How did I even think that was good? <laughs> and then, and then you kind of know, oh, hey, I need to do this. And, you know, maybe it's taking more material off of one side. And you just, and then you do it. But you don't see that when you're sitting there looking at
0: it. Has there been a pipe that you've just been stumped on and you've had to set it aside for, you know, like weeks or months before you finally figured out what to do with it?
3: Yeah. And I don't know if it's stumped as much as scared me. <laughs> um, like, because I was. What, I know exactly which type it was. I was making a the last time the Kansas City show was doing their uh uh the seven day set uh carving contest. Yep. I uh it was the it was the last year that they did it and then they ended up canceling it because of COVID. And I was and I believe that year it was um it was any style, but it had to stand. Huh. And I'm, I wanted to make something just completely out of my wheelhouse. So I chose to make a standing blowfish, uh, like a fugu style blowfish. And so I, I, had, I don't know. I had spent probably a month sketching this thing out. And I had it all in my brain and how I wanted it to look and end up, but <laughs> When I came to putting it on a piece of wood, it was like, this block of briar is so pretty. And it's like, man, I do not want to screw this up. So every time I'd sit down with that block, I was more worried about screwing that block up than, you know, actually shaping. So it took <laughs> me a long time to get through that, through that pipe. Um, and when it came out, I mean, it turned out to be a, a decent pipe, but it was, that was probably the most difficult. That that was completely out of my norm for something that I do. And
0: I and I guess there's parts of the of the car of the pipe making process where you've got to be afraid because if you take off too much, you can't just put it back on.
3: Yeah, I, I've I've actually started a pipe and basically wound up with sawdust at the end. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So on those uh minus forty or minus fifty nights, I would imagine, you know, a little block of briar would be would, would help keep you a little bit warm if you had to.
6: Well, it does keep
3: the fingers warm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um do you have to I, I would imagine your workshop is heated to a you know, to a sustainable level of climate, but uh th- when the briars being shipped into you, do you wait until summertime so that it doesn't go through any sub super freezing temperatures or anything like that?
3: Yeah, I try to set up all of my uh, briar deliveries, I, and not all of them. Um, you know, postal service and uh, other other uh, shipping entities, they usually do pretty good. That they're not outside very long you know so they they get it here and get it to the door and I'm usually there to receive it but my my big orders of briar yeah I try to get those delivered during the summer
0: if you're ordering stains and stuff like that I guess all those delivery trucks have to have some sort of heat otherwise all they'd be doing is delivering blocks of ice all week
3: yeah well that's and that's a funny thing so like like epoxy um, I like to use a certain type of epoxy, and they will not ship that after, I believe it's after October. So I have to order all of my epoxy for what I figure I'm going to use for the next nine months because, you know, October to May is when they don't ship up here. So wow. I have to order all my epoxy, what I figure I'm going to use for the year throughout the winter. I have to order that and have it up here during the summer. They'll ship it during the summer, but I won't get any winter.
0: And then the, the, the other climate issue you have is that it's not a real humid winter time either. I mean it's bone dry and cold, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, it is it is severely dry up here. Like if you uh if you're sitting on a couch and you take a blanket off you too fast, you may restart your heart with as much
0: you know, static electricity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, and then if you've got you know pipes that are coming from that climate down to other climates, you know, do you do anything uh, engineering wise to make sure that the pipe will survive the transition from your from your climate to you know like where actual people live?
3: Well um I I don't really <clears throat> I make them so I would say the biggest the biggest thing I would worry about in in my the construction of my work would be like you know how does the tenure? so
0: Yeah
3: and so and I have the opposite like when people I've had people ship me pipes and you know that say hey you know do you want to study this pipe or you know, could you, could you, uh, buff this pipe for me or, you know, whatever it
6: is. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, when I get that pipe, I actually take it and I put it in a box. Um, it's kind of like a small bulb. and then I put it in there. I'll take, I'll take the cover off. I'll open the cover to the box. And then I leave it sit there and then the next day I'll open the paper, the wrapping, and I try to let it climatize really slowly. Okay. Because uh, I don't want that huge change. So a lot of times when I send people work to, it's like I tell them, you know, it doesn't matter if you take it out right away, but I wouldn't try to fidget with it right away. Because, yeah. you know, when you get it, it's coming from up here. It might be so dry that, you know, the the the, the stem might seem loose. But if I send it to you and you're, you're in Florida, you know, you might... <laughs> You might be like, hey, this stem is a good commodity. Here. I assure you it will come out. <laughs> but yeah. you might have to give it time to actually acclimate
0: to where you are. Yeah. So there's so there's a but couple I don't have Yeah. There's there's oh, a pardon? couple other issues involved in your location. So Yeah <laughs> um, And I would imagine the uh, the pipe smoking environment outdoors is not real conducive most of the year, but um, ho- hopefully you can smoke in your uh, in your workshop
3: yeah um yeah i really don't smoke when i'm working but yeah uh and i don't really smoke much at home which is kind of odd i like to get away and smoke which uh i'm thankful that we have a, a small uh club here in town, or not really a club but a place where we we all meet and smoke um and that is really nice because um, I like to get away, and that kind of lets me get into a different state when I smoke. Um, But I have had a customer bring me a pipe. Uh, He was actually up here in Alaska, and he's like, what can you do about this? And his pipe, he had walked outside with it, you know, on one of them minus 40 days. (laughs) And he had been smoking it inside, and he walked outside with it. And he said it. It was like somebody dropped a firecracker in the bowl. There was a pop, and then you know a bunch of uh, embers and soot came out. Uh oh. And it, yeah, it cracked on both sides of the bowl from the from going from that extreme heat
0: to that extreme cold. Yeah. So so rule. So the rule is, if you take your pipe and you get you you go outside, you get in the you get in the truck, you fire it up you get over there you got to let your pipe acclimate to the indoor weather before you fire it up again
3: yep indoor and just the reverse too going outside yeah
0: you know so wow
3: yeah
0: um can we real quickly talk about the reason why you're why your wife got moved up there
3: yeah uh so my wife is uh active duty yeah
0: so yeah. So you are one of the unsung heroes. You are a military spouse and, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, how do we, uh, how do we go to see your pipes? Where do we see your pipes?
3: Uh, the only place I have my, my work is on Instagram and it's amundsen
0: underscore pipes. Very uh, very coyly uh, hidden as your name and pipes. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, and <laughs> price-wise, where do you start out at, and will you take commissions?
3: Um, so I start at um, $350 for a blast, and I go up to, for my very best, um, which is uh, I am now double stamping my pipes, so I have what I call the bear grade. <laughs> I have my stamp and then a bear grade, uh bear underneath it. Uh, and those run right around eight and a half for that, for a pipe of that caliber. And then, yeah, I do take commissions. It's not a whole lot. Um, I've got five right now on the bench.
0: So yeah. So, yeah, well, and that's also on top of four kids and a family and, uh, you know, and a life too. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you and as we're recording this, it's July, so you got to go out and catch enough salmon to survive through the winter, so you're also doing that. Oh, yeah. Uh, hanging yeah. reindeer meat and all the other things. But, <laughs> um, Robert, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. Yep, sure am. What is your favorite pipe?
3: My favorite pipe is an El Tame Saturn that was gifted to me by Joe Lankford as a Christmas present.
0: Ooh. And what is your favorite tobacco?
3: My favorite tobacco would be, uh, it's a, it's a McBaron, McBaron's London Burley that I do not believe is in production.
0: No, and they just did a limited run of it last year, and yeah. Um, Yep. What is your favorite drink?
3: Favorite drink would be a toss-up between coffee and water.
0: Both highly required in that weather up there. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Book. Uh, Let me guess, a kid's book, like Dr. Seuss?
3: Uh, sometimes it could be that
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was a pipe smoker, uh, and then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, I do. Um, I last year I made the Seattle Pipe Club Pipe of the Year, and after that, I got a message from Bob Loin. Yeah, and. And Bob's like, Robert, usually I don't call people to tell them I have a pipe for them. Usually they call and ask me for a pipe. <laughs> but he goes, I've got, I've got this pipe. He goes, and when I seen the pipe you made for Seattle Pipe Club, he goes, I knew this belonged to you. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I go, so he goes, it looks just like, he, he goes, you, the pipe you made looks just like this. And I'm like, all right. And he sends it to me. And it is a, it's a yes Conovitz. And it's a, uh, it's, you know, blasted lavat and with, uh, looks like, uh, oh, I'd say it's not horn. So I'd say like an ivory cap mm-hmm. and then, you know, saddle stem, the whole deal. And so I I bought that from, from Bob. He was nice enough to, to call and, and get that to me. And yeah, that's another one of my my very treasured pipes. Yeah. Um, just just to think that uh that somebody had thought of me and and would say would say something like that.
0: Yeah, just <laughs> somebody said, Wow, what a pipe you made looked like that. Yeah. Anyway. Uh yeah, anyway thank you for coming on and doing this again. And again, I apologize for making you do it again, but uh, let's, (laughs) let's set a, uh, let's set a reminder. We'll do it again in three years and see. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Every every three years we'll do this and we'll see how many of them actually make it onto the show, but (laughs) thank you very much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll be back in just a minute. (laughs)
7: for over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr, worked at Peterson for 53 years, and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This internet radio
0: and we are back on the pipes magazine radio show yep check out everything robert's doing he's he's got an eye and he and he had some really good exposure early on all right for music time for time for a little satchmo Louis armstrong this one with ella fitzgerald they can't take that away from me
4: sip your tea the memory of all that no no they can't take that away from me the way your smile just beams the way you sing off key the way you haunt my dreams no no The memory of the way you hold your knife, the way we dance till three, the way. The
6: way you wear your hat The way you sip your tea The memory of all that No, no, you can't take that away from me The way your smile just beams The way you sing all key the way you haunt my dreams No, no You can't take that away from me We may never, never meet again On the bumpy road to love Still I always, always Keep the memory of The way you hold your knife. We dance till three. Will you change my life? No, no, they can't take that away from me. No, they can't take that away from me. Swing it, boy. my life. No, no, they can't take that away from me. No, they can't take that away from me. Will you repeat that again, dearie, please? No, they can't take that away from
0: Here's some basic math for you. Uh, Sachmo plus Ella Fitzgerald equals wow. Check your
4: mailbox, you moron!
0: And in the mailbag, if you have a comment or question, the best way is to email it directly to me, Brian, B R A I A N at PipesMagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. A uh, couple to get caught up on this week... This one comes from Bryant Malone, who writes, Hi, Brian. I've been enjoying your podcast as you recommended and only deviated from that twice. The first time was listening to your interview with Nathan Davis, since he told me about your podcast. The second time was yesterday when I heard your comments on Country Squire's comments on Mike and Mary McNeil. John, David, Bo and Russ are the first people in the biz who have actually dared to speak out against the manner in which McClellan went under. Uh, I'll interrupt here because Brian's doing what I suggest everybody does, which is keep current with the new shows and go back and get caught up with the old shows as you have time. Don't listen to too many in a row. Anyway, uh, we go on. Uh, Brian says, after listening to their show, I listened to your two-part interview with Mike. Mike McNeil is a curmudgeon, and I know because I am one as well. He is gruff, but if you listen to what he says without regard for how he says it, he actually comes across as humble, grateful, and having a sense of humor. You know you know Home personally. Uh, you know him personally, so I may be way off, but I like him. He reminds me of my late father and his brothers, and he and Mary seem to be the most dedicated tobacconist I've ever encountered. It seems like a lot of John David's resentment stems from a feeling that they betrayed him and others. They, along with others, propound the theory that they owe it to their customers to pass the mantle on and keep their blends alive. This ignores Mike's own words. He does not believe, and I agree, that you can't train anyone to do what he and Mary did. And if they can't do it as well, he wants nothing to do with it. He ate, slept, and drank his tobacco. I don't blame them for not wanting to pass their brand on to others who would not keep it up to their high standards. Like I said, I don't know Mike and Mary personally, while well, you do. So maybe I'm way off, but while I regret missing out on their wonderful art, I don't blame them for blowing out. <laughs> Thanks for your time. I hope I didn't bore you. Best regards, Brian. Uh, never a bore. No. Uh, and you're right, Mike is a uh, Mike is a humble and very um, grateful curmudgeon and gruff, and you never, never, never have to guess what is on Mike's mind because he'll tell you. Um, and remember, I'm the leading expert on my opinion, and everybody else's opinions are valid. All right, VegasPipeShow.com. Uh, let me just highlight the dinner on Saturday night. Uh, we have a dinner on Saturday night. It's $60. It's an all-you-can-eat kind of uh, you know uh, banquet buffet kind of thing. Guest speaker to be announced on VegasPipeShow.com, I promise, as soon as we f- secure one. Uh, so here's the reason why we have the dinner. First of all, it's a chance for everybody to get together and you know, everybody that pays the 60 bucks to get together and have a dinner together and sit in a room where you can actually eat and smoke at the same time. Uh, it's also a chance for us to give out the awards for the show. And it's also a chance to get some, you know, to learn something from a guest speaker. But here's the real reason. So the hotel requires us to spend X amount of money on food and beverage while we're there. And the food and beverage has to be spent inside the room. yeah. so the cash bar or we have a banquet. So we've got both. And the sixty dollars is just about a break even for us, and it just goes towards the media, towards the food and beverage requirement for the show. So, uh, if you're coming to the show, we would greatly appreciate you uh, considering spending your Saturday night dinner with us. Information is at vegaspipeshow.com, and in just a moment, rant time. There's
1: nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corn cob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting Up a Pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal Tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey.
0: musicians and artists are you listening are you ready well it's politics time here in the united states again yeah we've got a little election coming up it's called the midterms in november and of course you know i i know how i want you know i always tell you make sure and let people know that you let the people running know that you smoke and you enjoy tobacco and leave it alone okay But here's my thing with actors, politicians, or actors, musicians, and all assorted artists. I really don't care who you're voting for. If you're a musician or an artist of some sort or an actor, I have an idea of how you might vote because of the types of music you might do, or the lyrics in your music, or the movies you might do, or the characters you might portray. I have an idea but i really don't care how you're going to how you are going to vote. so you coming out and you endorsing a politician doesn't change anything for me. all right? but i will warn you that just like you have the right as an actor or an artist or a musician to say what you want to say about who you think is running or who you think should be voting which way. well guess what? i have the right to burn your music, burn your whatever, you know, throw it away, get rid of it, not go to your concerts, whatever it is. I have the right to do that, just like you have the right to say whatever you want. Don't get pissed off at me if I decide I'm not going to your concert because I don't like your politics. That's my right, okay? And it's your right to do to say what you want to say. So here in the United States, where we're pretty much split 50-50 on politics... It's bad business to piss off one half. That's all I got to say to you. So actors, artists, musicians, keep making beautiful art. Keep making beautiful movies. Leave the politics out of it. There you go. All right. Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Suggestions, you know, get yourself to a pipe show. Apple podcast ratings and reviews, much appreciated. Thank you very much to uh, Robert for joining me again for the first time. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time.
4: Bom-ba-dee-da. He's fine. Be fine. Who cares
6: about the clouds when we're together? Just ah. sing a song and think about sunny
4: weather. Happy
7: trails Bom-ba-dee-da. to Bom-ba-dee-da. you Bom-ba-dee-da. Again. <laughs> when you're when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more
5: interesting for the listener.